Morning again. Yes. How oh, exciting. Do you know what? I, uh, I know God doesn't bring sickness and, and trials. That's not his way. He's a good dad. But I am actually grateful that we are learning as a church to build faith together and to pray and to stand on the word of God. I don't, I'm not sorry or, oh, that's not the right word, but I am seeing what God is doing in teaching us how to trust him. Yeah? And not just doing that individually, we're doing it corporately. We have never prayed so hard and come together so much as a church as we have over the last year or so. Um, and God doesn't bring sickness, that's not biblical. Okay? But he will use stuff. And um, I love the fact that we are just building testimony upon testimony of God's goodness. And we're building stories that this house has of what God is doing all the time. Um, and it's his glory. He gets the glory. But I love the fact he's building something in us about persisting and leaning on him and trusting him and standing on promises and believing together and standing together. There is a power in unity. And when you go through a trial as a church, when you face stuff, you can either fall apart as a congregation or you can come together. And I'm so proud of all of you for the way that you have just committed to pray and stand on God's promises and help practically people who have need, whatever God is, you know, whatever situation people are finding themselves, you guys step up every single day. And um, I just wanted to congratulate you on that and say, well done, um, because God sees it and he is building something through trials. Never despise them. But we do come through the other side. Okay, we're not supposed to stay in the valley. We're supposed to pass through a valley, you know. But let's not despise it because God will teach us something in it. Amen. That's not relevant to what I'm saying. But anyway, I just felt that. Okay, so we're on part two of what I started last week. As magic, we can't have magic in church. But I didn't know what else to word to read that for Kira. Kara, thank you very much. Um, so uh, <laughs> um, I started talking last week on this theme of being called. And uh, if you weren't here, hopefully you managed to catch up. And I will do a quick catch up very quickly. Um, But um, I've just had this on my heart that we are, as a congregation, we're called to build the house of God. But every single person in this room has also got a unique calling over their life. And I just spent last, last week kind of just driving that home, hopefully, that you and I are individually and uniquely called by God. And the dictionary definition is a course of action driven by divine influence. And I love that. So a calling is a kind of direction that you go, but there is an anointing on it. There's a, there's a divine, which is God, influence that's driving it and purposing it. And just last week, I just spoke about the fact that you are unique, that you are called with a specific journey or course of life that you are to take. And that was predestined for you before you were even born, which is incredible. We went through some scriptures about that, but that was exactly what you were created for. You were purposed by God for good works, to give him glory, and you have a unique journey to take in God. And we also talked last week about the fact that we will be judged according to what we do. We won't be judged according to our salvation if we've given our life to Jesus. That's a done deal. But when we go to heaven, when we stand before God, there will be a a question over us and a discussion over our life about what we did with the calling that was purposed and designed for us before we were even born. And the Bible in in Daniel, the book of Daniel, talks about these books being open. And it's these books kind of record your life and what God has decided for you before you were even born. 
And it's that that will be weighed up. A judgment isn't a condemnation. If you look at the original, it means a decision. So Jesus will make a decision when we stand before him about whether we actually completed what was written in the book. And that's the only thing that we'll have a discussion. And he'll do it in love and he'll do it with kindness because that's who he is. And then we'll be rewarded accordingly. And the Bible talks about us either reigning with Christ or just kind of getting in with them by the skin of our teeth and everything that we've done being burnt up because there was no value to it. So if we live for ourselves, and if we live um, outside of the calling of God, all that stuff will be burnt up, the Bible says, as, as, as rubbish, basically. It won't have meant anything. But if we live according to the purpose of God and what he's called us to do, then there'll be a reward in heaven. So that was last week. So today, I want to just continue with that theme, but talk a little bit about how you walk in your calling and how you ensure you get to the finish line. Because that's what Paul, Apostle Paul told us, to run a race so that we can win, to get a prize at the end. So I wanted to start with this um, awesome gentleman here, which you may know is Billy Graham. As it's Mother's Day, I was just reading um, some accounts by him. Obviously, he's gone to heaven now. I was just reading some accounts and stories about him, about his childhood, and, his, and, and his, the story that built up before he went into ministry. And the one thing that he talked about constantly was his mum. And how he believed she was instrumental in God using him to reach millions. So Billy Graham, apparently, according to research I've done, is the one man who has preached more to anybody else in the world about Jesus. He is the one individual in the 20th century who has preached more, actually in history, sorry, more than anybody else. He's preached to people about Jesus across the world. Jack was telling me this morning, because Jack likes watching his messages. I know, come on. Uh, that there was one occasion where he went to Japan and just hired a field, as you do, put a massive speaker in it. One million people turned out to his crusade to hear about Jesus. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, have given their life to him. But this is what he wrote about his mum, Morrow, who you can see in the picture. He said, The influence of a mother upon the lives of her children cannot be measured. They know and absorb her example and attitudes when it comes to questions of honesty, temperance, kindness, and industry. He actually credited his mum in terms of the person that he became. And he goes on to say, if you look at the next one, uh, later on, this is a picture of her on one of her her birthdays. There he is on the right-hand side. It says, in her later years, when her health declined and her husband had passed away, Morrow, his mum, made a point of praying and listening to scripture every morning. He said, of all the people I've ever known, she, my mum, had the greatest influence on me. I am sure that one reason the Lord has directed and safeguarded me, as well as Ruth, his wife, and their children, through the years was the prayers of my mother and my father. He actually recognizes that the calling on his life and what God used him for was significantly underpinned by what his mum did which might look insignificant, she prayed for him every day and she read her Bible. But when we're talking about being called, it doesn't have to be that it's, as I said last week, it's a platform or something massive. There There is something really powerful in what we do when we raise our children, mothers and fathers. And I believe that God had answered every single prayer of hers and it was because of her prayer and because of the way she, the example she set him and how she taught him the word and how she prayed with him, that he was able to be used by God in such a powerful way. So I just want to encourage you mums in the room, that every time you do that, when you're just praying over your children at bedtime, when you're praying about their life, you know, 
God sees it all and he will. It, there is something significant that you will see come out the other end. And sometimes you don't see it instantly, but there will be something that, that child, your child will do that will give God the glory, that will bless somebody else. That investment that Morrow made, she didn't know what Billy Graham was going to get. In fact, she didn't see a lot of it because she died. She didn't get to see everything her son did and the millions that he reached. But she faithfully prayed she, and she was a role model to him. So well done, mums. I know all of you in the room are doing that. It's significant. Okay. So let's have a think about how we live out our calling. So here's the first one I want to kind of think about. And it's a scripture we all know really, really well. And it says, in Psalm 92, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. I believe that being planted is a significant part of you actually fulfilling your calling. The Bible says that you'll flourish. Now, you have a, or we all have a calling on our life. And to flourish, if we were flourishing in it, would mean that we are bearing fruit. Okay? So, if, uh, if we are fulfilling our calling and walking in it, then there will be fruit. And the Bible says that we are, to be, we are called because we're to be a blessing to somebody else. We're called to give glory to God. We're called to impact the world and build the kingdom of God. So if we are flourishing in that area, okay, whether it's raising our children in the business world, whatever we're doing, if we are flourishing, it's probably, I would say, because you are planted. And I, yesterday I went to a garden center. Look at me, green fingers. I didn't. I just picked something up. It's peppers. Okay, these are seeds. I'm quite surprised there are 50 in there. But anyway, 50 peppers, 50 pepper seeds in here. And if they are planted in the ground, what is going to grow, people? Peppers. You're a genius, Jack. That's because you're my son. Um, okay, so, yes, peppers. If once this was in full fruit and we got tomatoes or cucumbers, something would be wrong, wouldn't it? But this will grow after its own kind. Okay, so if I plant this in the sun, Helen's looking at me like, when this is basic. I know, I know, darling. But this is as good as 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 it's going to get, babe. Okay, so (laughs) I put it in the soil, okay? I've got to stick some water on it, Helen, is that right? Got to put some sun on it. Well, God's got to put some sun on it. And then, I don't know, yes, and it'll grow, and we'll get peppers at the end of it. That looks quite nice. Okay, so that is exactly how your calling works. If you are fulfilling your calling and walking in it, and God is anointing you to move in whatever that is, it will come out when it's in full flourishing. It will come out as it was designed to be. So it, won't, it will look exactly what God wrote in the book. So the same way you plant a seed of peppers in the ground and it will come out as a pepper. <laughs> if you are planted in good soil and you are being nourished, and I'll talk about what that looks like in a minute, then what should happen is that you will look like what was written in the book before you were born. Because it will come out as what it was destined to be. Does that make sense? And that's what I love about the house of God. Because the house of God is exactly what you need to flourish. It is going to provide you with the word, which is food. All plants need food. Okay, the son of God is light, his presence, and the Holy Spirit is like a water. And if you have those ingredients, you grow. So being planted means that you take root. It's very difficult to plant a seed and, and, and for it to flourish in a, in a small amount of soil. And if it is not fed, it will dry and die. Okay? There's no guarantee that if I plant that in the ground, that they will all flourish into peppers unless they're looked after correctly. There needs to be an environment to make them grow. And that's what the house of God is. 
And when you come into a house of God, a place that is really designed, and I believe this house is, that is designed to be investing in your discipleship and you growing into your calling, then you'll see yourself flourish as you plant yourself. Now, there's a difference between attending and, there's a, and being planted. Okay, There's a massive difference. You can attend a church, but the roots don't go down when you do that because it's, you're here, there, and everywhere. Being planted means that the roots go down, which means you're establishing yourself and allowing the word of God to feed you, the presence of God in, in, the, in the worship sessions to, to fill you. So that's the light that's coming into life, dispelling darkness, and the Holy Spirit begins to move on your life and change you. And I believe it's in that environment that you see people fulfill their calling because God uses people that are growing. And as a church, as a pastor's here, we absolutely completely believe that every single person has a calling and it's not our job to stop that, it's our job to help you get there, okay? We want people stepping up into leadership to say, I've got this brilliant idea, can I lead this? Yes, please. That God's asked me to do, come on, let's go. Okay, no one in here stifling anybody. But if you're not planted and you're attending, it'll be very difficult for God to grow you. And it's a growing, because you've got to have a character to sustain a calling. God won't give stuff to people that, that they'll ruin it or they'll hurt somebody. And if people don't have the character to sustain their calling, they can be a train wreck <laughs> and the car crash and they can do damage. And so it's really important that part of the calling on your life is that you're committed to growing who you are. And the best place for that is the word of God. And in the house of God. So let's have a good look at this next one. Hebrews 12.1. We've had this scripture over and over again. But I believe not only being planted is key, but the second thing is to making sure that you stay your course and you persevere on your race. Amen? So this one here in, in Hebrews 12, we've had number over number of the weeks, talks about throwing off things that hinder and entangle us and also fixing our eyes on Jesus. Okay, we're not called to run a sprint. We're called to run a marathon. And if you run a marathon with a weight on your back, it is incredibly difficult to finish well. <laughs> um, and really, that's what's being talked about here, is that in order to fulfill your calling, in order to run your race, you have to do it with a mindset that I am going to get rid of anything that's going to stop me in the, in the finish line. Amen? And the Bible says that you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus, but you have to throw off. It's not God that's going to throw it off. He does it with you. The Holy Spirit helps you. But we are called to throw off the thing that's going to stop us from moving in what we're called to do. Now, let me just give you an example of that. If we go to Luke 9 and 59, there's a story that Jesus tells when he's calling people to follow him. He's asking people to come and follow him. And, he's, and it says there that people replied to him in different responses. And one says, but Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So his calling was saying, follow me, because I want you to go and do something for the kingdom. I want you to go and tell people about me. And this man responds, but first let me go and bury my father. Now, it's quite interesting when he says, but first, he wasn't saying, I'm not going to follow you, Jesus. He's just saying, I've got something else to do first. He's not saying, I don't want to follow you. That's not his response. His response is, but first let me go and do something else. It's interesting, when you look at the culture of the time... There's a reason why he said that. And the custom was that the eldest son had to bury their father in order to receive an inheritance. If you didn't do it, the inheritance from the father goes to the second son. So this man here was thinking about money. 
If he didn't go and bury his dad straight away, he would lose out on the inheritance. So he was saying to Jesus, I'll come, I'll, I'll follow you later, but let me first go and get my money. It's quite interesting. The next one says, so another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, so there again, I'll come in a minute, <laughs> but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. So for this person, it was about relationships. They were more important. He said, I'll, I'll follow you eventually, but I want to go and you know, sort out my family and spend some time with them first. And Jesus said, no one who puts hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom. If you're going to get distracted and you're going to not come with me now, and you're going to go and make that a priority, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, obviously, God loves family. He's not... <laughs> but it's, it was the heartbeat of this person was, I will eventually, I'll follow you eventually and do what you're asking me to do, but not right now. So I've got some other things to do. And that's why it's quite interesting. When you look at Luke 10, 2, which I think is the next one, it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few basically is referring to the fact that there's many people who will not be willing to pay the price. These guys are being asked. Jesus wasn't giving them an option. He's saying, come with me now. But they weren't willing to give up their inheritance or give up their relationships in order to follow him. Money, security, relationships was more important for them. And that's a big question for all of us if we're going to walk in our calling is who are you putting first? Is it yourself, myself, or is it God? Now, what's amazing about God is when you put him first, he then brings all those things. What these people sadly didn't realize, if they had said, I'll come straight away now, God would have given them everything they needed. He would, you know, the relationships, the security, he gives you all of those things. But their reaction was, they're more important to me and I want to go and deal with that first and I'll, I'll follow you when, it, when it's more convenient, when I've got time or you know, later on I'll think about it. And Jesus was saying to them, no, you need. And that's, I believe, what he's meaning. That ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field, praying that we actually have a people and a mindset that it, whatever God says to us, we'll do it immediately and know that he'll take care of relationships and money and everything we need. He's really good like that but he's looking for a heart response. Jesus, if you say, you're calling me, I'm coming right now. No question, you're first. And then God adds all those other things. Doesn't it? That's putting the kingdom of God first. He says he'll add everything else. But these people didn't know that, and they didn't want to give up that security. So if we go back to Hebrews 12, when it says about throwing off everything that hinders and, in, and the sin that entangles, that's really key to what that scripture's saying. It's about making sure that we just kind of let go of security, money, relationships, sin, having a hold of us and putting it before God. If we're going to walk in our calling, he has to be first and we have to be willing to lay that stuff down and say, God, whatever you're calling me to do, I'll do it and not get distracted or concerned about those other things because God will take care of all of that stuff. Amen? Okay, so first one then, let me go back to what I was saying. So the first one in terms of uh, fulfilling your calling is being planted in the house. The second one is to run your race without any entanglement. And the third one I wanted to talk about was to follow God's direction. So in Romans 8.14, it says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons or sons and daughters of God. Our calling depends on being led. Okay? God actually wants us to make sure that we are following not our emotions, not our own agenda, not our own intellect, but we, and not our own talent that all of our walking with God is about his authority and what he's calling us to do, that we completely rely on him. If we're not being led by the Spirit, then we'll just literally live life according to our own agenda. 
And that might not measure up in the book that he opens up on Judgment Day. It'll probably look quite different. <laughs> um, now, God says he gives us the desires of our heart, and we can pray for those things. But often I believe that when you're led by the Spirit, your desire and God's desires just kind of match. They just match perfectly. And actually, what's in your heart is, is what's in God's heart for you. And you'll find fulfillment in that. But it has to be that the, the Holy Spirit has to be the thing that's leading us. Otherwise, we'll just operate out of our own, our own talent and our own authority and our own flesh, if you like. And that will not necessarily end up in the right place. So following the directions. Now, in terms of uh, kind of doing that, God doesn't give us, thankfully, I don't think, but he doesn't give us the whole map. <laughs> he doesn't give us a map or the route of what our life's going to look like. He just doesn't do it that way. We get snippets and we have to just keep faithfully walking in terms of that. Um, and the Bible says, if you go to 1 Peter 1, 6, it says, there is wonderful joy ahead of your, in your race, even though you must endure many trials for a while. These trials will show you that faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire testifies and purifies gold. So your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So what the promise here, or the scripture tells us here, is that we will, on our journey, on our calling, as, as we're walking it out, we can expect trials. <laughs> and it says you must endure them because there is a testing or purifying that goes on when you are tested. Because I said earlier, you can't sustain a calling unless you have a character to go with it. It will just fall apart. So God doesn't give us a whole map or route and kind of give us a plan. You're here. This is how the next 50 years looks like. But he is going to allow trials on our journey, on our race, in order to give us a bit of the character in us. And it's nothing to be worried about because God wants to bring us through and build faith. If you think about the story of Joseph, technical dream quote, quite exciting. I mean, how I mean, what an amazing dream he had that he was going to lead this nation through famine and, and just have all this authority and power. Well, he didn't go from that dream to having it fulfilled. He went to a pit, into slavery, being accused and lied about, putting, put in jail. I mean, it couldn't have gone. The road for him was like ugh, all over the place, dips and twists and problems and trials. But he was given this dream. He ends up fulfilling his calling, but the road to get there was not easy. And yet, what did God build in Joseph? He was a man of character, wasn't he? He was a man of character. He learned patience, and he had to forgive his brothers. And all through those trials, he was just incredibly faithful to God. And God actually built in him the character to hold the calling of leading a nation. But he had to go on a windy journey to get there. So it's not always an easy road, but... In it, God will build character in us and patience to do whatever we're called to do. Amen. So finally, I just wanted to mention about the key, I think, in order to um, fulfill your calling is to allow the Holy Spirit to empower you. So in Romans 12, it says, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So let us use them. So you have been given gifts in order to fulfill God's calling in your life. And it's a grace of God. And when you look at the original um, text of that, it, if you go to the next slide, Cara, it says charisma is actually what the word means. Gifts is charisma. And it's a specific gift of grace to empower an individual to fulfill what they're called to do. So we're not 
supposed to do it in our own strength. The Bible says that he gives us gifts and then the grace is the empowerment of God to actually walk in that. And it's that that helps you carry your journey and to, and to, and to move in it. So the journey that you're on, the calling you've got on your life, it's only by the grace of God and the empowerment of God that you can actually do it. But the Bible says that we are to steward the gift. So God gives us gifts and he gives us the ability through grace and his Holy Spirit in order to walk in it. But we have to manage it. And the Bible wants us to manage them like good stewards in order to build the kingdom of God. So it says in um, 1 Peter 4, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as a faithful steward of God's grace in its various form. So the gifting of God over your life and your calling of God over your life is always going to be to bless somebody else. That will always be the purpose of it. But God is asking us to be faithful stewards of God's grace, which means we actually need to carry it with a real... um, sense of how important it is that God has called us to do something and that we're faithfully living it out. Um, and the grace of God or the ability of God, the Holy Spirit empowers you to do it, but we are the ones that have to hold it. We have to be faithful with what God's given us. Amen? And then finally, in Revelation 17, it tells us that this will be the outcome or what it will look like for the children of God who have been faithfully walking according to their calling and been faithful stewards of the gift on their life. It says, one day we will wage war, sorry, they, sorry, the world will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb, Jesus, will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And with him will be you and me, will be his called, who are chosen and faithful followers. So it says that in the, in the, in the last days, that Lamb, Jesus, will triumph over all sin Okay, over all the, all the works of the enemy, he will triumph and standing with him will be the ones he has called, he chose before time and have faithfully followed, holding on to the gifting and stewarding it, holding on to the gifting that they were called in and then literally walking it out faithfully, they will get to stand and rule and reign with Jesus in the last days. And it's quite interesting, I think, that that's, that's scripture in, in Revelation. It says particular words about being called. It's we're all called. We are all chosen, but it's up to us to be faithful. Okay? God calls us. He chooses us. And there's no uh, favoritism in that at all. God doesn't have favorites. <laughs> no way does God have favorites. He use, wants to use everybody. Everybody's got a calling and a gifting. But it's the faithful followers that get to stand with Jesus at the end and rule and reign with him in victory. Amen. And that's the journey we all want to take. We want to be there standing with him at the end because the path he laid out for us that was chosen before we were born, not only do we know it, but we've walked in it. We've been faithfully stewarding it. We've allowed the Holy Spirit to empower us to do it because we can't do it in our own strength. And we have not said to Jesus, you have to wait until I'm ready we said to Jesus, you've called me, I'm going. And it's those people that he's going to use. It's those people that are going to see at the end when they stand with him that everything that Jesus wrote about their life was fulfilled. Because we're not called to just meander, okay? The world does meander, but we're not just called to meander and just work this out by ourselves. Everybody has a unique gifting and it was designed before you were born And God empowers you for the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, to fulfill it. He's given giftings to you that are unique to you to be a blessing to the kingdom of God and a blessing to people. 
And one day, those that have been faithful in it will stand with him in triumph as chosen followers who were faithful with a gift over their life. Amen? Exciting. Oh, my goodness. I'm done. So, last picture. Here we are. So, this is kind of what it looks like. It's uh, your journey, what's ahead of you. You probably get to see about as much as that. You can't really see, you can't really see a lot, can you? Like, in other words, you can't work out what it's going to be in 10, 20 years' time. All you can do is walk forward in relationship with God, letting the light, word of God light your path, relying on the Holy Spirit, just being with Jesus, and you just walk it out. But with this picture, just, I mean, it just spoke to me because it's the fact that at least there's a direction. <laughs> there is some, I'm heading this way, and God will tell me at least that. But what he's asking is, is it's all about relationship. You cannot walk and, and go almost blindly forward unless you completely trust God and rely on his word. But that's what we're called to do. He doesn't give us the whole road map. He doesn't give us the bigger picture. But God is saying, actually, will you now, you know, come with me and fulfill what you're called to do. Rely on me every single day. Let the word of God light your, light your feet, light your path. And you just start walking, and more of the road is revealed the more you walk. As you take that journey, you start to see more landscape, and you get the bigger picture, and you kind of see where things fit, and God reveals a little bit more. But you've got it. If you just stand at the road and don't move, <laughs> some of us, you know, you don't, you don't go anywhere. But actually, we've got to start walking along the road and just trust him all the way. Amen? So, I really hope that encourages you and excites you. Every single person in this room is uniquely designed. And I, I really hope that no one in this room would ever feel like God will use someone else and not them. I promise you that's not who he is. Okay, willing heart, it does not matter your background or anything, your age. He, it's irrelevant to God. He can use anybody with a willing heart and someone who's willing even to make mistakes obviously we don't get it right do we but it's about that heart of surrender and following Jesus when he's saying I'm I'm asking you to come up come with me do you say yes or do you say when it's more convenient for me God I'll do it later maybe in 10 years time when I've got everything together let me get everything together first and then I'll say yes to you well there's so many times God has used people in the world for his kingdom and they weren't his first choice because if you say no to God God will use someone else and he'll continue to love you and you'll go to heaven but he might end up using someone else that was actually when it was you that he wanted to use and sometimes if we say no then God will say okay I still love you but then I need to find someone because I've got this job that needs doing I really hope that's none of us that we'll never be in that lap but if it is it's not too late to get back on track doesn't matter where you are with God, okay? There's not too late to get back on the path, amen? So I'm going to pray with you. That's okay, then we're done. So let's just pray together. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you, God. Your, your word is full of scripture about calling. So many scriptures are telling us, God, that you have chosen us, that you love us, that you've destined before even time to put us together for a purpose that gives you glory and blesses people. It's never for ourselves. It's always someone else. And Father, I thank you that every single person in this room is called, is unique. Father, has a destiny to influence somebody else or other people. 
and that you are willing each of us on, on that journey. Father, I thank you, God, for the calling in this room on every life. And Father, I pray that you will fulfill every calling in every, on every life, that they would hear from heaven if they haven't heard yet. Father, so clearly what it is that you've called us to do. Father, they'll know what steps to take. Father, they'll be brave enough just to start moving along the road. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit and your word will be a real lamp to all of us and we will just know what to do. Lord God, and I just pray your presence will be over every single calling, Father, that your spirit will anoint it, you'll water it, so that we'll see that those seeds flourish, Father, more and more fruit in this house of people just being planted and rooted and you just then causing that seed to grow in Jesus' name. We pray that you would remove every obstacle to the calling, everything that the enemy would try to do to hinder mindsets, God, Father, an unwilling heart, whatever it might be, that's saying no at this time, Father. I pray that you would just, just take every obstacle in Jesus' name so that there'll be no entanglement, Father, and you would give people just such a revelation of what they're called to do. Father, I pray this house will just grow new leaders and it will grow people of incredible talent with different ministries and callings. Father, that they'll just flourish in this house and you will just put everybody into their perfect position in Jesus' name. Amen.